Okay. So uh, tonight, what I think we're going to do is uh, is we're going to take a uh, uh, what I think is an important halachic thing, uh, but it's lemaisa. I don't think it's going to change anything which anybody does, but it's something which no, not this one. It's something which, in theory, is uh, is, is an important idea to be mindful of. Now you have the sources in front of you. Yeah. Yes. Says women's, women's obligation in the midst of superiority of time? No. Option two, uh, Hamad, it's the um, Shabbos, Erev Pesach on Shabbos. Okay, let me try it again. And take two. How about now? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So this is the topic of uh, the obligation of women in uh, in, uh, in Sipur Yetzirah Mitzrayim in saying over the, uh, the Haggadah. And as we're going to see, uh, uh, this is one of those instances where something that to a large degree we take for granted that, uh, that uh, and we know what the, in a sense what the final outcome is. So here it's going to be more about the journey, uh, how we're going to arrive at the conclusion which we already have inside of our, our, our heads, which we already assume to be true and whether or not we're going to be able to uh, put that together with the various makoras, the various uh, sources which, uh, which exist. So what we're going to try and do is we're going to bounce back and forth a little bit uh, chronologically. It's difficult to follow chronologically, uh, but we'll try and follow uh, conceptually the, uh, the topic. Okay, so we're going to begin with that introduction. So we're going to begin now um, with that, uh, the Shochanach. So Shochanach says that... Um, let me just make sure that we're yes okay. Um, we lost it. We lost. No, I, I pulled it back out. Just want to make sure that it was recording because I forget these things. Okay, so Shulchan Aruch says this is Simon Tuf Ayin Beis Sif Yudalit. So it says Gam Hanashim Chayavos Ba'arba Kosos Ubuchol Mitzos Hanogos Ba'osolayla. So this is something which uh, those who are up to date in Daf Yomi, so some of this stuff will also uh, sound familiar. So Shulchan Aruch says clearly that women are obligated in drinking the four cups of wine, as well as, in his language is, kol mitzvahs, all of the mitzvahs, hanogos b'oso layla, all the mitzvahs which are relevant that night. So when you say all the mitzvahs, that's pretty all-encompassing. So what exactly is included in all the mitzvahs? So in source two, that's where you have the Mishaburah says, kagon matzah umara varmiras hagara. So the main thing for us is going to be, the main topic which we are going to explore is this idea of Amira Sahagada, that the saying of the Haggadah is something which is also one of the mitzvahs that women are obligated to do. Okay, so Mishabur mentioned three mitzvahs, Matzah, Maror, Shulchan Aruch went ahead and mentioned uh, a, a different one, which is the four kosos. So now our initial task is to go ahead and see if we could trace backwards now, halakhically, how we know all of this to be true. So we need to find a source for the fact that women have to drink the four cups of wine, a source that women are going to be obligated to matzah, a source that women are going to be obligated to eat maror, and most importantly for us now is the source that women are also obligated to say the Haggadah. Okay, so first comes first. Let's go ahead and let's do the source with regard to matzah. So this is a while ago. This is a couple months ago in the, in Daf Yomi. So the Gemara uh, records the Amar Abelazar Abelazar says, "Nashim chayavos v'achilas matzah dvar Torah." Women are obligated midaraisa. They're biblically obligated, biblically obligated to eat matzah. Now this is a chiddush. You have to keep in mind that this is a novelty for Abelazar to go ahead and make this statement because the general rule which we all know from the, uh, the Mishnah and Kedushan, is that women are exempt from mitzvahs asay shazman grama. When it comes to positive time-bound mitzvahs, so women are generally, the, the rule of thumb is that women are going to be exempt from those mitzvahs. So for Rebbe Lezer to come along and say that the mitzvah of matzah is obligatory for women, so that violates the rule, which says that they should be exempt since it is a time-bound mitzvah. So therefore, Rebbe Lezer's back is against the wall over here, and he's now going to have to come up with something which is going to be significant in order to be able to 
prove to us his assertion that women are going to be obligated in this mitzvah as well. So how does he know that women are obligated in the mitzvah of eating matzah? Midah raisa, Tavar Torah means midah raisa. Shenemar, because the Pasuk says, lo socha olav chametz v'gomer, the Pasuk goes ahead and juxtaposes two things. It puts together the prohibition against eating chametz together with the mitzvah of eating matzah. So these two mitzvahs, the prohibition of, of chametz, together with the positive command of eating matzah, that tells us, according to Belazar, anybody who's going to be included in the prohibition against eating chametz, they are also going to be obligated on the flip side of that same coin, or that flip side of the same pasuk, which is the positive command to go ahead and eat matzah. And since we know that that same Mishnah and Kedushin tells us that women are obligated in all of the low sases of the Torah, except for three exceptions, but women are obligated in the low verse is also true, which means that they're obligated to go ahead and eat matzah. This is, for example, for those who, uh, who remember and are, have their scorecard out, so this is the same, this is the same obligation that we say with regards to making Kiddush on Shabbos. That since the Pasuk says, Zachar v'shamor, that you're supposed to remember Shabbos, that's a mitzvah saseh, shamor means you're supposed to guard Shabbos, observe the low saseh. So Chazal also say with regards to Shabbos that anybody who's prohibited to do malacha is obligated in zachor, is obligated to say Kiddush as well. So this concept that we could link together the low saseh and the aseh applies by Shabbos, and now it applies by chametz and matzah. And therefore concludes Rabbi Lazar, v'hani nashi nami. And when it comes to women, being that they're also going to be included in the Torah prohibition against eating chametz, so they're also going to be included in the mitzvah of eating matzah. So of those mitzvahs, the mitzvahs that say shazman grama, the positive time-bound mitzvahs, so uh, that from which women are generally exempt, an exception to that rule is the mitzvah of eating matzah. Women are obligated in eating matzah the same as men. So that did, much we're able you, to establish. Did you did you say a minute ago that there were three lotases that women are not obligated in? I think so. Did I get that? Yes. Okay, I, I didn't know that there were any. Um, so two of them I remember right off. Uh, um, I think uh, uh, one is cutting off payas, baltakifu, one is Alta Tame Lamesim, the prohibition for Kohanim to become Tame Mace. And um, I don't remember the third one is the beard besides Payas, or there was a okay. different third one. Okay. The mission there in Kedushin. Okay. Okay. Now, so now we know that women are obligated in Matzah. Now, what about what was said by Shochanarach? Shulchan Aruch had said that women, Shulchan Aruch's statement was, women were obligated in Dalit Kosos, as well as all the rest of the mitzvahs of the night. So how did Shulchan Aruch know that women are obligated in Dalit Kosos, that women have to drink the four cups of wine? So this is a very famous teaching we had just about a week ago or so. Amar Bishur Balevi, Bishur Balevi says, Nashim Chayevus Barbar Kosos Halalu, that women are also obligated to drink the four cups of wine at the Seder. Why? Sha'af hein hayu bosanes. Because they were also part of the miracle. Now we're going to explore a couple of sources from now. What exactly the um, the deeper meaning of Afin Hayubo Sahanes? What exactly? As we're going to see, there's a machlokas. What exactly that uh, that means? But it is a, a a straightforward statement which nobody disputes in the Gemara. Nobody disputes in the Rishonim that women are also going to be obligated in the mitzvah of Dalit Kosos. So so far we have a Gemara which tells us women are obligated in matzah. We have a Gemara which tells us that women are obligated in Dalit Kosos, but there is no Gemara which addresses the mitzvah of Magid, of Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Okay, so not everything necessarily is going to be explicit in the 2,711 Dapim of Shas, but there are other places that we could go ahead and we could look in order to decide or, or reach a conclusion whether uh, women are obligated in that mitzvah or not. 
And that is what we have in source number five over here. This is from the Sefer Achinuch. So as we all know, the Sefer Achinuch is one of the authoritative works uh, written on the 613 mitzvahs. There was, just to put this into somewhat of a historical context, towards the end of the era of the Geonim, we need Rani Halabar to go ahead and give us the, all of the exact uh, years or whatever, but the end of the period of the Geonim, in the beginning of the period of the Rishonim, one of the things that you found, a favorite pastime of great scholars of that time was to try and go ahead and uh, 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 identify which of the many mitzvahs in the Torah are the 613. So we know that there's a starting point of 613 mitzvahs, but the Torah itself doesn't, there's no ding uh, every time the Balkari reads another mitzvah of the Torah that we're keeping a running tally. So if you actually try and count up all the mitzvahs of the Torah, so you'll actually end up with many more than 613. So you have to begin to, you have to set up a system and a bunch of rules by which you're going to decide which of the mitzvahs of the Torah count towards Taryag and which of them do not. So the Rambam does it, the Ramban has it, the Sefer Achinach, the Sefer Mitzvah's Gadol, Sefer Mitzvah's Katan. You have all sorts of works, the Sefer Yerim, you have all sorts of works written in this Kufa, in this period of time, the end of the Gonim, the beginning of the Rishonim, where they were trying to go ahead and do so. So one of them was the Sefer Achinach. We're not uh, exactly sure who the, uh, the author is, but he is assigned uh, great, uh, great uh, credibility. For the most part, he will, uh, uh, he will, um, uh, he follows the Rambam, but not always. But okay. But he says as follows. So this is the 21st mitzvah, Parshas Bo, Mitzvah Chafalif. So he says, Mitzvah Sipu Yetzirah Mitzrayim. So this is the mitzvah to retell the story of the Exodus. So what is the mitzvah? So it explains the Sefer Achinuch. He says, Lesaper B'inyan Yetzirah Mitzrayim Be'leil Chamishah Sabinisan. So the mitzvah is, to retell the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim on the night of the 15th of Nisan, each person according to their ability to tell the story. So the Sefer Achinov says, which again, it's an interesting thing, that they, he, they weren't really expecting, the Mitzvah Midaris at least, is not expecting everybody to read the same text. The Mitzvah is for you in your language, in your storytelling ability to go ahead and recount the story the way you would tell the story. I always say the way, the, the, as if it was happening to you is what you're trying to do. And to give praise and to thanks, give thanks to Hashem for all the miracles which happened. As the Apostle says, you're going to retell the story to your children. And Chazal tell us that this mitzvah to recount the story to your children is going to be fulfilled specifically the night of the Seder, at the time that you're eating matzah. And when the Torah says, your children, it doesn't really mean that you only tell the story to your children. You would tell anybody who's there, there's a mitzvah to tell everybody that story. Okay, so that's an overall uh, review of the, the mitzvah. Then, after getting, um, discussing some of the details related to the mitzvah and the thought behind the mitzvah, then one of the things which the Sefer Chinuch does, which is very valuable, is at the end of his presentation and explanation of the mitzvah, he tells us who's obligated in the mitzvah. So here he says, he says this mitzvah applies by both by male as well as females. Every place where you are, it's not related to Beis Hamikdash, it's not related to Eretz Yisrael. Wherever you live, the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzis Mitzrayim applies. Also, in whatever era you live, whether with a Beis Hamikdash or without a Beis Hamikdash, in Eretz Yisrael or in Golis, no matter where you are. You have uh, both men and women have the obligation to, to retell the story. In somebody who does not do so, that's the overall, someone who transgresses this by not recounting the story. So that's what we call a bitolase. They missed out on the opportunity to go ahead and do a mitzvah sase. So it's a mitzvah to do and they, uh, they missed it. Okay.
So that's what the Sefer Chinuch says. So what's important for us, our take home from this is, Sefer Chinuch said explicitly that women are obligated in the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzis Mitzrayim. So as, we're, as we are on the hunt for a source for this, so the Sefer Chinuch is a pretty good source. He's telling us that that's, a, that's a, an essential part of the mitzvah, or it's, a, it's, the, it's part of who is obligated in the mitzvah. Not only men, but even women are obligated in this mitzvah as well. Okay. However, there's a very famous commentator to the Sefer Chinuch. I think it was the 18th century. Maybe, actually, maybe it was the 19th century. The Minchas Chinuch. So he uh, wrote a, a running, very lumdisha commentary to the Sefer Chinuch, an analysis and a critique of the Sefer Chinuch. So he writes, and that's what we have over here in source six. He says, Din he used a lot of Rashi Tevis, a lot of acronyms, so I will try and uh, break them out to, or spread them out for you. But he says that Din Chidish Sorry, wrong line. He says, this idea that women are obligated in Sipri Yitzhak he says, this is a big Chidish to me. He says, this is, this is quite novel. Why? Lama Yehinoeg Mitzvah why should women be obligated in the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzis Mitzrayim when Kevan, uh, I think, Kevan Peturos? Because the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzis Mitzrayim, as we said at the outset, is a positive time bound mitzvah from which women should be exempt. Following the rule of thumb, women should be exempt. Not only that, but Viramba Vergvav Gabechilas Matzah. And the Rambam in his uh, in his address of the halachas of chametz and matzah, so in the sixth chapter, he writes explicitly that women are obligated in the mitzvah of eating matzah. So the Rambam goes out of his way to tell us that when it comes to the mitzvah of matzah, women are obligated, but valkan but when the Rambam goes ahead and addresses the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhak he doesn't mention that women are obligated. So it seems to be that the Rambam's approach is that when women are going to be, when there's an obligation on women, which doesn't follow the rule of the fact that women are exempt from mitzvah Seishas Man Grama, seemingly the Rambam points that out every step along the way. So by matzah, he goes and points out that even though it's a mitzvah Seishas Man Grama, women are obligated. If the same were true with regards to Sipur Yitzis Mitzrayim, he would say so, and he didn't. So therefore, the Minchas Chinuch says, where did the Sefer Chinuch make this up from? He says, I can't find any earlier source which supports this notion, this assertion of the Sefer Chinuch, that women are biblically obligated in the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzis Mitzrayim. Not only that, but Vayin Rambam Perk Yud Beis Milchas Akum, if you go ahead and you look in this other location, the Rambam, he enumerates all of the exceptions to the rule, all of the instances of positive time-bound mitzvahs that women are obligated to fulfill nonetheless. For example, Kiddush Hayom, making Kiddush on Shabbos, like we mentioned, Achilas Matzah, the mitzvah of Achilas Matzah, which the Gemara mentioned, Pesach, the Simcha, the Hakel. He mentions the Korban Pesach, the Mitzvah of Simcha and Yantif, the Mitzvah of Hakel, all, all listed over there in the Gemara in Kedushin. And, and there, he doesn't mention this at all. He doesn't mention Sipur Yitzit Rhine, where he's listing those exceptions where women are obligated, even though it's a Mitzvah Seisha Asman Grama. So therefore, Mechi Tesi Yitzchaibu Nashim Mitzvah so Minchas Chinuch says, I don't know where the Sefer Chinuch made this up from, that women would be obligated in this. There's no precedent, there's no source whatsoever which would indicate that that's true. The, uh, the law, now he says, an important thing, he says, Now maybe what you'll say is, you know what the source is that women are obligated to, to uh, in Sipur Yisrael Mitzrayim? It's the same Rabbi Shua ben Levi who said women have an obligation to drink four cups because they were also part of the miracle. So just like they have to drink four cups of wine at the Seder because they were also part of the miracle, they should also tell the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim because they were also part of the miracle. So Minchas Chinuch says, if you're going to go ahead and argue that the source is that since they were part of the miracle, therefore obviously they're obligated in the, cor- uh, the correlating mitzvah, 
says, but kemo mikra megillah, like the mitzvah of mikra megillah, that since women, there's also, Rabbi Shubha Levi says, since they were part of the miracle, they have to listen to megillah. Vidal and Kostos, as well as the four cups of wine, but points out the Minchah that's not going to work. Why can't we say that the source for women's obligation in Sipri Yassi's Mitzrayim is the same rationale that they were also part of the miracle, which we use for candle lighting on Hanukkah, we use for Mikra Megillah on Purim, and we use for Dal Kosos on Pesach? Why not? But to that, the Minchah says, which should be the blessing. It says that that rationale, and we're going to see the Tosos in a moment, but that rationale that since they were also part of the miracle, they're obligated in the mitzvah, Tosos says that only works for things which are midrabanan. So uh, Hanukkah candles is a drabanan, Mikra Megillah is a drabanan, Dalad Kosos is a drabanan. For, so for Drabanans, that rationale, that they were also part of the miracle, that will work, but it does not work for Derisis. And therefore, says the Minchas Chinuch, he says, uh, uh, the bottom line, I don't know where the Sefer Chinuch made this up from, that women should be obligated in Sipri Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim Midaraisa. There's no source for this whatsoever. There are sources which indicate that they specific, that this is not an exception and that women would not be obligated in this mitzvah. And therefore, he leaves the matter unresolved. He just leaves it as a question against this Sefer Chinuch. Okay, so now what is this Tosos that the Minchas Chinuch is referring to? So here is, this is, it appears a couple of times. We're going to grab this one in Megillah because it has, the second part is the, uh, is, is the most important part for us. So over there in Megillah, so that's another place where Bishur ben Levi makes that statement. Women are obligated in the midst of Mikra Megillah. Why? So that's the bold print over here. Sha'af hain Because women were also part of the miracle. Now, what exactly does that mean? So now it says, so Tosos brings down two things. It says, Pirish Rashbam, this is the Rashbam in Arvid Pesach, and that's what we're doing in Dafyomi. So Rashbam says, She'ikr hanes haya al yadon. What that means that the phrase Afhein Hayubosanes means that the primary miracle, the salvation came about through women. That's what it means. Meaning, the Purim Esther. So in the Purim story, so Esther was the primary catalyst for the miracle. And Bachanaka Ayyade Yehudis. And on Hanukkah, it was Yehudis' contribution, which is not our discussion for right now. And in Pesach, the Chazal tell us that it was in the merit of the righteous women that the Jewish people were redeemed. So in each one of these cases, Hanukkah, Purim, and Pesach, so women played the critical role in bringing about our salvation. So therefore, since they played such a critical role in the salvation, it makes sense that they're going to be obligated in the mitzvah as well. That's the Rosh Bams shot. Says Tosfos, the Kasha. He says, I don't, I, I can't accept this explanation. Why? The Lashon Sha'af, Sha'af Hain, because when you say, if, if we were to put the full sentence together, men are obligated in Mikra Megillah, and so are women. When you say, and so are, does that mean that what follows that is the Iker is primary or that's secondary? Toso says that the language implies that they're secondary. Not only is the primary group obligated, but even this other group is also going to be obligated. Even sounds like they're secondary. Mashma and phalos. It sounds like the words sounds like you're going to include something which is secondary or subordinate. According to the Rashbam, it should have said you wouldn't put Afhain, even them, you would say they were the miracle because they were the ones who were the catalyst for the miracle to come about. So based on the fact that it doesn't fit so well in the wording, therefore Tosa says, that the Afhain means not only were the men going to be potentially annihilated, but even the women were going to, were on the ropes and were about to be annihilated. They were also subject to the decree to be destroyed and killed. In the Pesach story, the women were also subjugated to power of Mitzrayim. 
towards the women. Okay, good. Now, period. That's the end of the first part of Tosos. Two explanations of what Shafin Hayuboso Anais means. Either it means that they were the catalyst for the miracle, or it means that they were also recipients of Hashem's salvation and they should celebrate the same. Okay, now Tosos asks an essential question. He says, if I have this rationale, that this uh, since the women are also part of the miracle, whatever whatever meaning we're going to give to that. But since we're also women, we're also part of the miracle. Therefore, we're going to obligate them in the mitzvahs. So Tosa says, Gabi matzah yesh maksha. So then, what about the mitzvah of matzah? Why? How did we know that women are obligated in the mitzvah of matzah? So we quoted the Gemara earlier, Rebbe Lezu said that anybody who's included in the prohibition against eating chametz is included in the positive command of the mitzvah of matzah. It was a hekish. We draw a juxtaposition of the prohibition of chametz with the positive mitzvah of matzah. So Tosa says uh, that the, there are those who ask, Gabi matzah yish maksha, lamali hekesha, dekoshi yesho baltocha chametz, yeshna bukum echo matzah, why do I need, why does Rebeleza need to invoke a heckish, one of our hermeneutic principles, to go ahead and prove that women are obligated in the mitzvah of matzah? Why not say very simply, you know why women are obligated to eat matzah on Pesach? Because they were also part of the miracle of Pesach. If the miracle of Pesach is enough to obligate them in the four cups of wine, why not say that that same rationale obligates them in the mitzvah of eating matzah? And there's no reason for Rebbe Lezid to go ahead and start drawing hermeneutics on us or pulling out hermeneutics on us and making a heckish. Just use this rationale and say the same rationale which obligates women in four cups is, is the rationale which obligates them in the midst of matzah. So to this, Tosos has two answers. He says, He says that this rationale is only enough to create a rabbinic obligation, to obligate women in something which is a rabbinic mitzvah. So if Chazal go ahead and say, we're going to introduce the mitzvah of Mikra or Chazal say, we're going to go ahead and introduce the mitzvah of Hadlakas Ner on Hanukkah, and we want to include women in that obligation, so they could go ahead and they can make up this rationale of Afein Hayubosa Anes, that they were also part of the miracle, and say that's going to apply to our Durabanan, because they're structuring the Durabanan anyways. So they could go ahead and create the mitzvah and create the rule in terms of who's obligated. So that rationale works for Durabanan, but he loved Mehekesha, but it would not work for something which is a Doraisa. Something which is a Doraisa, like the mitzvah of Matzah, that rationale, Afein Hayubosanes, does not work to obligate somebody in a Doraisa. So this is going to be true according to this explanation. That's why the rationale doesn't work to obligate women in matzah. And that's why we needed the hekish. And that's also why Tosos elsewhere addresses the question that seemingly based on this rationale, women should be obligated to sit in sukkahs. Because who sat in sukkahs in the midbar for 40 years? Not just the men, it was the men and the women. So why not say women are obligated in the midst of sukkah, shafin hayubosanes? So the same terrace, the same explanation we give, same answer we give is that this rationale does not work for Daraisas. It only works for Darabanans. So it cannot work for Matzah and it cannot work for the Mitzvah of Sukkah. Okay, so now this is what the Minchas Chinuch was referring to. He says that to go ahead and to try and explain the Sefer Chinuch as a meaning that the reason the source for the for the uh, the obligation of women in the midst of Sipriyatis Mitzrayim is the fact that they were also part of the miracle. So Tosos here says that that rationale does not work for Daraisis. And therefore we're still left wondering where the Sefer Chinuch got this idea from, this notion from that women are going to be obligated in the midst of Sipriyatis Mitzrayim. Okay, so now there's a interesting primagadim where he also addresses not the, this uh, issue fully, but he makes a comment which is going to be relevant to the Tosos, which we just saw. And he says, Vida, so he, in his explanation of the mitzvah, he says, this uh, tough iron test is already on the, uh, talking about uh, in the part of the Seder between benching and, and hollow after uh, the meal. 
But he says, Okay, so that we already know. That the mitzvah of Haggadah is to tell over the miracles in the story of the Exodus, Gavalik, Ukamoshikasav Haram Zal, that's the source of the Ram when we discuss it. Vintosus Megillah, Divra Maschil Sha'afhain. So if you look in that Tosos, which we just saw, we call it source number seven. The Prima Gadim calls it the Tosos in Megillah. So he says, now he points out that Litirat Aleph. According to Tosos's first explanation, which was that the rationale that women are also part of the miracle is not enough to trigger an obligation in the in a daraisa. We would have to say he's accepting the notion that women have to say the Haggadah, but he would suggest that it's only going to be Durabanan, that there'll be a rabbinic obligation to do so. But according to the second explanation, Oh, sorry, we didn't even read the second explanation. Sorry, sorry, sorry. According to the second explanation, though, he says that women will be obligated midaraisa. Sorry, I got all excited, and then I skipped the second explanation. We're going to go back now to that second explanation. It's the last line over here. Ooh. It says, Rabbeinu Yosef Isha Shalim Tiritz. Explanation number two as to why we don't obligate women in the mitzvah of Matzah, based on the rationale, Shafin that they were also part of the miracle, is the I would have thought, that there would be a competing limud, uh, a competing teaching to tell me that women are not obligated in the mitzvah of of, uh, of matzah, and that is the gzereshava. Gzereshava is another one of the hermeneutic principles. The tesvav, tesvav the chagasukos. Because the Torah refers to the 15th of Nisan, which is Pesach, and the Torah refers to the 15th of Tishrei, which is Sukkot. And based on the fact that the Torah uses Tesvav, Tesvav, Chamishasar, Chamishasar, in both of them, so that uh, allows us, the Gzereshav allows us to link those two mitzvahs together, and we could take information from one of those mitzvahs and apply it to the other. So for our purpose over here, Toso says that even though there's a rationale which potentially could obligate women in the mitzvah of matzah, because they were also part of the miracle, since we have this hermeneutic principle called gzeres shava that counters that, so gzeres shava is going to win out over the svar. So really, the rationale, shafin hayubosanes, could work in order to trigger a biblical obligation. It doesn't by matzah because of a technical issue, because we have a different gzeres shava. So the Prima Gadim points out that according to the second, so that that uh, Tosos is addressing specifically the mitzvah of matzah, but when it comes to mitzvah of Sipri, Yitzis, and Tzrayim, there is no competing rationale. All we have is the rationale which says that women are also part of the miracle, so they should also tell the story. And there's no source which would indicate to us that they would not be obligated in that mitzvah. And therefore, it may be that, uh, like uh, the uh, the prima gadim, we we can now restore the Sefer Achinoch's uh, opinion and say that he, according to that second explanation, we are using the rationale that they were also part of the miracle, and that would be the source for a woman's uh, biblical obligation to tell the story. Okay. And the rest of uh, the, the, the two nafkaminas at the end over here of whether they're biblically obligated or rabbinically obligated. So you can look that up uh, on your own. Okay. Um, um, okay, we're going to jump. Uh, we'll do the first part over here. We're going to jump in the middle of the Chayyadim over here. So he is uh, discussing the uh, the issue also of whether women are obligated in Sipur Yisrael Yisrael. And he brings a very interesting proof to the idea that women must be obligated to tell the story. What's his proof? He says, well, E.F. Shalomer came that they're going to be exempt. Why? Because he says, meaning exempt altogether from Sipur Yisrael Yisrael by virtue of the fact that it's a mitzvah sasei asman grama, it's a time-bound mitzvah from which women are exempt, usually both midaraisa as well as midarbanan. But in this instance, the Chai Adam says it's impossible. Why? Granted, 
we might go ahead and invoke the rule that women are exempt from a positive time-bound mitzvah because it is, uh, uh, they're exempt from, sorry, they're exempt from the mitzvah of Sibiris time because it's a positive time-bound mitzvah. But, but on the flip side, and here, get a load of this interesting rationale, he says. He says, since they, we know that women are obligated in Dalit Kosos, that the Gemara said explicitly, that was Rabbi Shurva Levi's statement explicitly, and the Vikaim Allah, and we had this just this week in Dafyomi, that if a person decides, you know what, I'm just going to get the mitzvah over with right at the beginning of the Seder, and I'm just going to drink four cups, one, two, three, four, and just downs them one right after the other, lo yatsa. You're not Yotze if you do that. Shasam bevasachas. If you drink them all at once, you're not Yotze. One has to be Kiddush. One has to be at the end of Magid. One has to be benching, And one has to be at the end of Halo. So they have to be at specific intervals in the in the Seder. And therefore, Kedisa Begemara Shamu B'Shochanar, like the Gemara in Shochanar says. So being that, in order to fulfill the mitzvah, you have to drink them at the appropriate time. And one of the appropriate times is after you tell the story. So the only way to drink one cup by Kiddush, one cup at the end of Magid, one cup by Benching, and one cup by Halal, is if you actually say Kiddush, you say Magid, you Bench, and you say Halal. Otherwise, you're not drinking them in the correct order, in the correct, in the correct place of the, uh, uh, of the Seder night. So being that, you can't drink, oh, we know for sure we're obligated to Dalakosos, and we know that to be Yotze that Mitzvah, you have to drink it at the correct placement of the Seder. Therefore, women are going to have to say in order to be able to drink the second coast at the appropriate time. And he says, in fact, don't trust me on this, and Tosos uh, in Sukkah tells us that explicitly. And therefore, uh, uh, okay, and therefore he proves what he talked about earlier in the paragraph over there, which we, uh, which we did not read. Okay, so now what is this Tosos in Sukkah that, uh, that uh, the Chayyadim is referring to? So here we're talking about um, uh, uh, the, the recitation of Halal, the reading of Halal on Yantif. So he says, Mashma uh, Khan, the implication here is, the Isha Petur Mehalal de Sukkot, that woman is exempt from saying Halal and Sukkot, the Chayin Datseras. The same thing is going to be true whether we're talking about Shmini Atzeres, whether we're talking about Shavuos, but either way, a woman is going to be exempt from saying Hala. Why? The time of the reason very simply is because it is a positive time bound mitzvah. It's the day of the Yantif which triggers obligation. That makes it a time bound mitzvah and women are exempt. And even though by Hallel on the night of Pesach, Seder night, the implication in the Gemara in Arabic Sachem is that they, that women are obligated in the four Kosos. And now this is a point that the Chayyadim wants us to see. All the Gemara says is the Gemara doesn't say that women are obligated in Hallel. The Gemara just says that they have to drink four cups of wine. So how do you get from four cups of wine to Hallel? So it says Tosos Umistama Lotiknu Dal Kosos El Lomar Aleim and it, the whole purpose of the four cups of wine is to be able to have that l'chaim, that cup of wine, at those key moments of the Seder of Kiddush, at the end of Magid, when you're finished benching, and at Halal. That's the whole point of those four cups. They're not telling us to drink because Chazal want us to drink. That's Purim. Uh, Pesach, the reason why they go ahead and they give us four cups of wine is because each one is a critical moment in the recounting of the story or the celebration of our freedom. So it only makes sense that you're going to drink those four cups of wine at the appropriate moment of the, uh, of the Seder. It's not surprising that Chazal did not enact a cup of wine when you're having mar. <laughs> because the wine and mar, they're incongruent. They don't match with one another. You wouldn't do such a thing. So it only makes sense to do it at the appropriate time. And therefore, uh, so he says, why is that so? So, Toso, so, but now Tosos is saying, I understand what I'm saying is novel, but it has to be that way. So Tosos is, is taking it as a given, like the Chayyadim says, that once you're having the Dalab Kosos, it must mean that you're saying everything else. Ah, what about the fact that it's still a mitzvah grama? So to that, Tosos says, shiny halal de Pesach. You're right. It is a mitzvah grama from which women are generally exempt. However, the halal 
Pesach night, not the whole Pesach, but Pesach night is different. Al because there the halal is specifically in response to a miraculous event. When we say halal on a regular yantif, we say halal because it's yantif. We're not commemorating a miracle when we say halal in davening yantif morning. We say because we're happy that it's a yantif, but it doesn't commemorate a miracle. But halal at the Seder, that's specifically to commemorate a miracle. And since we're commemorating the miracle of Yitzhak, the women are also part of that miracle. So everything then automatically has to fall into place that they, there was this miracle. They enacted the four cups of wine. Four cups of wine have to be at these critical moments of the Seder. And those critical moments of the Seder are Haggadah, Benching, Kiddush, and Halal. So you have to be saying those things. Otherwise, the four cups of wine don't make any sense whatsoever. Might as well just take out your ripple, once again, from early in the week in, uh, in Dafyomi. You might as well just, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, just, uh, just have a l'chaim l'shma. Avakan lo alhanes amr. Like you said, when you say yantif, uh, when you say halal on the day of yantif, whatever day of yantif that is, it's not commemorating a miracle. It's praise of God for something else. Whatever that else is, is not a discussion. Question? Miracle in that way, that's what makes Hallel Pesach night different than any other every other Hallel. So you can ask that question: Why is this Hallel different from every other Hallel? So the answer to that is because this Hallel is to commemorate a miracle, and the other one's not. So question: yes. um, So so this this definitely proves that women are obligated in Haggadah and Hallel, but it doesn't right. prove. But it doesn't prove that they're obligated the orisa. That they, you, if if it's a if it's a rabbinic chiyuv, it still works. The whole argument still works. C- correct. Right. It, it, seemingly it is because he's really, he's basing it all on the dalakosos, and the dalakosos is for sure only drabonim. So, so he's, he's 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 not that he right. He's not. Uh, thank thank you for uh, for for emphasizing that point. So the Chai Adam is not uh, answering the Sefer Chinuch to, uh, to explain uh, uh, a source for the fact that that time would be an obligation on a Daraisa level. He's just demonstrating that on a rabbinic level, there's going to be such an obligation and he's giving the rationale why. Okay. Okay, now. So we, so we still have the, uh, the, 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 um, the Sefer Chinuch is still saying something that we haven't shown. But okay, right. go on. Okay, so now the last source we have, and hopefully this will give us what we we're looking for. So this is the Aruch HaShochan. So this is that same simon, uh, the one that we began with, which talked about women obligated not only in Dalat Kosos, but he said all the mitzvahs of the night. Remember, that's what we started off with. So the Aruch HaShochan says as follows. He says, the gam hanashtim chayel is barba kosos, ubechol hamitzvahs l'shach l'shach same, same language. It says women are obligated in the four cups as well as all of the rest of the mitzvahs of the night. Kamo, for example, Achilas Matzah, that we had a source in the Gemara. Vamir is Haggadah. He puts in Haggadah. We saw that in the Mishabura. That's just what the Sefer Chinuch is asserting. Is the Daraisa, perhaps, but maybe according to others, it's only Darbanan. And then, uh, we don't need to do this. Um... Okay, now, what's the source for this idea? So we say, So this is the Pasuk that the Gemara, that Rebeleza referred to in the Gemara, the juxtaposition of the prohibition against eating chametz, together with the mitzvah of eating matzah, which establishes a principle, Anybody who's encompassed by the prohibition of eating chametz is going to be included in the mitzvah of eating matzah. Because, and women are obviously obligated by the prohibition or, or subject to the prohibition of chametz. The losa say mitzvah nashim kanashim. Because when it comes to losa says, women are obligated to say mitzvah. And therefore they're obligated in matzah as well. Okay, good. Even though the mitzvah of matzah is a positive time-bound mitzvah, still this rationale of juxtaposing the prohibition with the positive mitzvah is enough to create an obligation overriding the general rule. Good. Now, 
once we establish now, now he's playing a, sort of like connect the dots or he's doing like a Sudoku puzzle. <laughs> so you have certain things which are already on the board and then you have to use logic to go ahead and fill in the rest of the blanks. So he says, we've now established definitively, the Gemara says that women are obligated in the mitzvah of matzah. Once we know they're obligated in the mitzvah of matzah, they must be obligated in the mitzvah of Pesach, the Korban Pesach, as well as Maror. Why? Because we know that the Torah goes ahead and groups together all three of these things, Pesach, Matzah, Maror, Kedichsev, like the Pasuk says, Al Matzos Umarorim Yochluhu that you're going to go ahead and you're going to eat the Korban Pesach with, that's by Pesach Sheni, but we, we use it for the general mitzvah, that you're going to eat the Korban Pesach in conjunction with Matzah and Mar. So now we filled in more blanks. So we know from one drasha that we would obligate Matzah. Then by extension, we know if they're obligated Matzah, they must have to have the Korban Pesach and they must be obligated in Mar as well. Now, takes note of the Archoshuchan takes note. Even though nowadays, in the absence of a Korban Pesach, Maror is only Drabbanon. But whenever Chazal go ahead and set up a rabbinic uh, enactment for whatever mitzvah it is, it's always going to be patterned after the Daraisa. So now we know that they're obligated, women are obligated in the mitzvah of Masah, Maror, Korban Pesach, says Arachal once I know those three things, so it follows automatically from there that they must be obligated in the rest of the mitzvahs of the night. Why? Because they're all one thing. The whole, the whole uh, um, experience of eating the Korban Pesach and the Matzah and the Mar, all of that revolves around the retelling of the story if you remember, we make that point in the towards the beginning of Magid. We say, Yacho me Rosh Chodesh. I might think that you should tell the story from Rosh Chodesh. So we end up quoting the, the saying that Bavur Hashem Mitzrayim. On account of this, Pesach I think is the language. So you tell the story specifically when the Korban Pesach and the Matzah are right there before you. So there you see that Sipri Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the Korban Pesach and Matzah, are also intertwined with one another. They're all part of a singular experience, which is to experience Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, that the Kilu Hu Yatsami Mitzrayim, as if you left Mitzrayim. So if all of that, all of these things are intermingled with one another, they all have to go together. You can't, you can't start splicing it and pulling things out of there because that's going to take away from the whole experience. So he says that once I know Matzah, and once I know matzah, then I know maror in Korban Pesach. And once I have those three things, then Sipurit time has to be part of it. And like that, it may very well be the, a Darais as well. And then he adds in the other idea of, oh, Chaharei, B'tzchus Nashim, Sidkaris, Nigulav, Mitzrayim. It says, we also know from the Gemara that it was in the merit of the righteous women that we were redeemed from uh, Mitzrayim anyways. And therefore, they really get all of the credit for what happened. Thank you very much, uh, Charlene and Ellen. And therefore, it follows automatically that they must, since they were, he's going with that pshat that it's the catalyst. So since the women were the catalyst for the mitzvah, it wouldn't make any sense that they're the one who provided us with all the salvation and that they don't do the mitzvah. That wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. That would defy logic to say that they did everything, uh, everything, but they did most of it, and they did all the uh, the the uh, the the, uh, the majority of the uh, the uh, the work over there, and they're not going to have the mitzvah. Because the whole point of the mitzvahs is the redemption of Egypt, and they were the catalyst for that, and therefore the Rachashulchan seemingly is providing us with a logical explanation. Again, he's not he's not pointing to specific sources. He's sort of, um, um, what are they called? They back, um, not backtracking, but you're building it backwards. So he's, he's going- uh, um, Reverse uh, engineering. Reverse engineering. He's reverse engineering 
the idea that it must be that women are obligated. It may very well be even on the Daraisa level because of this idea that all of these mitzvahs are intertwined with one another and they're not separate and distinct mitzvahs, but they're all part of this overall experiential package, which is supposed to be created at Seder night. And once you are part of that experience, you got to dive in all, all the way. It's, it's, it's an all or nothing type of, type of thing. And therefore, we know for sure they're obligated. As we said, either way, whether we're going to say that women are obligated midar raisa or midar banan, nobody came out and said that women are exempt. It was an argument whether we're going to be able to find a biblical source to women's obligation in Sipri Yisiyat's Misraim or not. But, uh, but, uh, but either way, it was, uh, uh, I, I found it to be an exciting exploration of the, uh, the various sources to see if we could, as you, as you said, reverse engineer and figure out where exactly the, uh, the obligation comes from. That's Thank you very much. Uh, I'm Shabbat. headed out for another class. Okay. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Rabbi, you too. Rabbi Shaffel, yes. um, could the Aruch HaShulchan have taken this a little bit differently? And I, if, if he could have, maybe you could tell me why he didn't do it. Uh, he could have said they're all wrapped up together, these three things, um, uh, Matzah, Moror, and Pesach. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, as part of the satisfaction of um, Sipur, Yitziat uh, Mitzrayim, Robin Gamliel says anybody who doesn't mention these three things has not fulfilled his obligation. Correct. So it seems like Robin Gamliel is saying that this is the almost the ichor of Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim. And so... Right. So, so um, if the Aruch HaShulchan had gone in that direction, um, then we actually would have a, um, a Talmudic source um, uh, for uh, including women. Uh-huh. You, could, you could use Rabbi Gamliel's statement as proof to the fact that since there was, yeah, I, I, I would imagine that, uh, that uh, he, he didn't speak that out. But I would, uh, you know, if, if we were writing a commentary to the Arach HaShulchan, Mirza Hashem, you and I, Bob, will be successful at being able to, to do that one day. But when we write a commentary to the Arach HaShulchan, so we would definitely add that in the footnote and say that uh, that the, uh, the the statement which you quote, so that is a source to this idea, to this intermingling or the intertwined mitzvahs of Pesach, Matzah, and Sipur, Yisius, and Shreim coming all together as this inseparable uh, inseparable thing. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. We'll expect a Dvar Torah from you at some point, which is going to incorporate this into, uh, into, uh, into what it is. Yeah. Thanks so much, Rabbi Schaffel. Okay, Thank you, Rabbi. Everybody. Uh, next week, Tuesday night, is at uh, 7.30. Yes, we, because we're switching the clock, so Tuesday night, 7.30, and Thursday night, 7.30, right? 8.30, same. And we're still going to do 8.30? Okay, 8.30. Yeah. We'll, we'll switch it all up after Pesach. Tuesday night, 7.30, Thursday night, 8.30. Right. Or I suggest 8.30 for both. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> Have a good Shabbos, everybody. Dahi, is it really cold where you are that you're wearing a sweater? Uh, is it? Oh, it's not a. Oh, it looked like a blanket. It looked like a blanket. I was looking uh, where you were. Like 60 degrees today. <laughs> you're, Beautiful. You're too. You're Great too. way to go into Pesach. Right. Yeah. It's about probably to snow. snow. But... <laughs> Alan. Yes, Daniel. They, they got me down for two.